Welcome to the Valley Advocate Podcast, featuring interviews that take us deeper into the people and happenings on the local scene. For more podcasts and a closer look at what's going on in the Valley, visit us at valleyadvocate.com. Hello and welcome to the Valley Advocate Podcast. My name is Dave Eisenstadter. I'm the editor of the Valley Advocate. And I'm here this week with Javier Luengo Garrido, coordinator of the Immigrant Protection Project for ACLU Massachusetts. Javier was one of the people who Luis Fieldman, our staff writer, talked to for his piece this week called Greenfield is Now a Safe City, What's Next for the Sanctuary Movement? Welcome, Javier. Thanks for having me. So I want to talk to you, first of all, about Greenfield becoming a safe city, passing its safe city ordinance finally after several uh, attempts, some of them even successful attempts. Yes. Um, can you talk about uh, about what that process was, about how you got involved with that, and, and uh, what, what election night was like for you? So this started literally two years ago. Um, Jeff Napolitano and a group of uh, well-intended people tried to work with the community in Greenfield to pass, uh, at that point, a welcoming city ordinance. Uh, there was a lot of support, but at the same time, there was a lot of misinformation. And, you know... Because of it, at the end of the day, the city council ended up voting against it. We brought it back. That to was the in table. 2017. Yes. So we brought it back to the table uh, with members of the community. Again, uh, we have been working with Jeff Napolitano from the Resistance Center uh, since Springfield. We passed the Springfield's Welcoming City Ordinance. We moved to East Hampton. After that, we went to Greenfield. Uh, we knew it was going to be difficult. Uh, we were lucky that we had uh, Rachel Gordon and also Catherine Gollop being part of the team, two local organizers that are just fantastic. Um, being honest, we didn't think that we were going to have to go to a town-wide vote. Um, as a matter of fact, the ACLU, we are not in agreement to send basic rights and provisions to defend minorities to a ballot question. Um, but we start working there. Um, the first stage was really simple. We were able to pass the, uh, to work with the city council. We passed it the first time. After that, one of the city council members uh, have a re- asked for a reconsideration vote basing a lot of misleading statements about funding for veterans that we were able to address. And after that, again, pass it. Um, and after that, it was a third vote um, to override it because the mayor vetoed it. And after that, we, <laughs> we went to the ballot. Mm-hmm. Uh, the night of the, you know, November 5th was, was stressful. Uh, we knew what we were doing. Um, I was able to run two phone banks from the local community college. Calling different calling residents. Calling different residents. We were able to do it. We have around uh, between six and ten volunteers doing it. Um, and so that was pre, the, the thir- the October 30th and November 4th. Um, so by, you know, by, by November 5th, we were pretty on top of things. But, you know, you never know enough when you're going to a, a time-wide vote what's really going to happen. We knew that we were uh, going in the ballot together with the library question. So we were confident that the people who are really progressive in Greenfield were going to come 
and That's vote. right. The, the ballot also included a, a question about whether or not the town would expand its library or create yes. a new library. So we were, uh, we were really hoping that, that because those two issues are highly, by now, priority for people who are progressive, that was going to play in our favor. And it did. I mean, we ended up uh, getting 56% of the vote against 44. So that, that was really good. Yeah. Um, this uh, safe city ordinance, it prohibits city officials from asking about a person's immigration status, prevents uh, discrimination um, uh, against uh, individuals based on immigration status. And um, and, to, and having law enforcement action taken against someone on the basis of their uh, perceived immigration status. Uh, you know, why do you feel like this was so difficult for people to pass in Greenfield, where it, where it went back and forth so many different times? Yeah, I th the reality is that we have the police commissioner in favor of it. Even he wrote a letter stating that this is actual policy that Greenfield follows is not was not written down, but was actual policy. So we we were really um, aware that yeah, if even if it's policy, you want it written down because you don't want it to be under the purview of um, of one specific mayor or one specific police commissioner to be able to apply it or not at will. That's one thing. The second thing is that what happened was that, and this is not a minor event, I think there was an orchestrated campaign to, mis to, to spread a lot of misinformation, including the, the one that I just told you about how passing this would, not, would uh, be bad for veterans and applying for grants, which is totally untruthful. Um, a group of neighbors, uh, really conservative neighbors, um, getting together, gathering signatures, the same group bringing uh, Sheriff Hodgson from Bristol County Jail, which is sort of the poster child of Trump. Um, I think they really, they were really direct. And then also you don't need a lot of signatures. I mean, it's a fair amount, but you don't need a massive amount of signatures in Greenfield to be able to send something like the Safe City Ordinance uh, to a vote. Um. So Greenfield has now joined uh, Amherst, East Hampton, Springfield, Holyoke, Northampton, uh, a handful of communities in having policies like this. What's, what is next for the sanctuary movement? I mean, it, are, are you trying to expand this to something that is statewide? Are you continuing to go community by community? So when we're working with Welcome and City Ordinances, uh, we're, as you mentioned that before we start uh, recording that, a lot of times, this is, this is work that the federal government should be doing. This is not something the local communities. But the reality, when we have an extremely racist and aggressive towards minorities government, local municipalities and the state government, they have to take matters in hand. So uh, as an ACLU, we have, uh, uh, in Beacon Hill, we have the Safe, Community, the Safe Communities Act mm -hmm. there. We're hoping to pass. Didn't pass, lastly... The legislative session we're hoping to pass this year. And the Safe Communities Act is a sort of a safe, a safe city ordinance in asteroids. Will cover the entire state. Uh, but because... On steroids. Yeah. It covers the whole, the whole place. Yeah. Yes. But because last year didn't, didn't got out of meeting to the floor for a vote, we are being proactive here. We're being proactive since last year. Um, 
we are passing all these uh, ordinances in, in different municipalities. So we're uh, because we're not willing to wait for the state house to do what they have to do. Because many times, you know, many times they are not willing to move things that would look progressive, too progressive or too radical. Uh, so they don't scare their own voters. And I want to be really clear with this. Um, what we pass in different municipalities, uh, that's called welcome city ordinance, safe city ordinance, is just the same. This is not radical. This is really, this is really basic. Um, no city official should ask for immigration status. Should not collect information, should not keep it. The reason why we do this is because across the nation, we know that, uh, and, and even police departments across the nation has stated the same. They need the trust from the community. They need to, the community to trust them. And people who are afraid of reporting something, reporting domestic violence, reporting any kind of crime to the police department, um, are, 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 if they don't feel comfortable with it, they will not do it. And, and right now, the most vulnerable people that we have among minority groups it, are immigrants. So this is really simple, really basic. And that's where we're trying to work. And now we're working in Northampton with Mayor Narkowitz and the city council to pass it. Yeah. Um, maybe you could talk a little bit about that. You were at a recent uh, city council uh, committee meeting um, about ha putting an ordinance together. Uh, right now, Northampton, it has a, uh, the policy is somewhat in place based on a, uh, an ex executive action by Mayor Narkowitz. But... Um, but the council hasn't passed anything itself. Is that right? That's, that's correct. So in 2014, Mayor Narkowitz uh, enacted an executive order um, that was directed to the police department not to uh, question immigration status. Uh, we really appreciate what he did. But having in mind from 2014 to now how things have, have mutated at national level and also state level, we feel the necessity to be able to update is executive order, and at the same time having the city council to pass um, an ordinance that is going to be complementary to an updated version of his ex executive order. Alisa Klein, Bill Dwight has been, had been key from the city council working on this. Uh, again, uh, the partner in crime that I have, which is Jeff Napolitano, is spearheading this. He's he's a, a he's by now he's a really expert in safe communities and safe cities ordinances. Um, and Mayor Narkowitz um, has been really open to us. He has been really uh, helpful. He, you know, he's a pleasure always to work with him, and 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 he's he has he's willing to up to enact an updated version of the executive order that is going to be complementary to what the city council is going to pass. And and you know that's the kind of little things that make me feel living in Northampton is is really good as an immigrant myself. Um. This handful of communities that has now passed uh, or has on the books an ordinance or, or an executive action for this, um, is that something that can sustainably be spread community by community, or does it make a lot more sense to go uh, statewide with, with something like this, well, uh, the Safe Cities Act? If I have a wish, yeah. I would love to have the Safe Communities Act, the Safe Communities Act. enacted. Mm -hmm. Because in that way, we wouldn't have to go town by town, municipality by municipality. Um, we're pushing for it. We're working on it. 
Um, we are part of a group of organizations that are working on it. But, but at the same time, we know that we cannot just wait for, uh, for, uh, to get it passed statewide. We need to move forward. The reality is that in, in immigration, you always have to make a lot of decisions. Either we're going to wait and work in, and pass the Safe Communities Act, but in the meantime, people are going to be detained by ICE for minor traffic infractions because the municipality saved all the information and ICE requested it. Uh, families are being separated because of it. Um, ICE is really trying to have a, a, an entry point for municipalities requesting this kind of information. And if a federal enforcement agency comes to a municipality requesting that information, the municipality has to give it if they have it. So do we, do we wait and we try to pass the Safe Communities Act? In the meantime, all this is happening. We're not willing to do it. We, we, we are supporting, we're working on the Safe Communities Act, but at the same time, we're not going to live with the collateral damage of our families being separated. And that's the main reason why we're doing this work right now, not waiting just for the Safe Communities Act to get you know, passed. Um, and again, I mean, uh, this is this is this is something that it's 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 a lot of work. I mean, we most of the work that we do is educational because people are badly informed. There's a lot of prejudice about this, and and there's there's a going to we need to educate the community and educate elected officials about this. So it's it's not a minor work, and hopefully, in some point, we're going to be able to use this as a as a springboard to make to to push uh, the state house to push our representatives there to be able to pass it. It's, and it's not out of whatever they are right now that they are not doing it. Massachusetts is a fairly progressive state. Where does it stand in relationship with what's going on in the rest of the co- country in relation to this? I beg to differ about <laughs> Massachusetts being a progressive state. You know, uh, I, I think. Uh, your baker would agree with me. Um, yeah, Governor Charlie Baker, yes. a Republican. Yeah, so it's it's uh, you know Massachusetts is just weird um, because if you take a look, Vermont has universal driver license. If you take a look to the south uh, in New England, uh, Connecticut uh, not only has driver license, universal driver license, but they just passed a couple of months ago. Um, they passed the, the Trust Act, which forbids any kind of a state employee to help ICE in any manner. And we're talking about Connecticut, a place where, you know, parole officers would ambush people in their final meeting. Uh, they would have the immigrant coming over and the parole officer would have eyes waiting in the next room to get the guy. Um, we, we, we haven't gone that far in, in Massachusetts, but certainly we know that in certain, um, in, in certain courts, district court, they, 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 there's a lot of things going on because people are getting detained when they are going to, their, to transfer for the criminal process. So Connecticut is way ahead of us. Um, we are debating now if we should give, we are just now debating if we should give driver license to immigrants. Um, you know, I would, I would love to think that we are a progressive state. I don't feel it. 
Uh, we know that we, we have um, uh, Elizabeth Warren and, you know, a lot of these really extremely progressive people. But locally, I feel we're way, way more progressive of what we think. Mm. So in your view, the state is fairly far behind um, in immigrant protections and immigrant rights. Absolutely. Absolutely. Even, even further, um, Connecticut has an official set of documents for undocumented parents that want to uh, plan for their family. So if, if I'm an undocumented father and I, I'm conscious that tomorrow I can be detained by ICE and I have two children, I would be able to prepare my family for it if I get deported. I could be able to choose a caregiver, a third, per, a third person to take care of my kids, and eventually to be able to reunite my family. That's Connecticut. Those are official uh, state documents. In Massachusetts, we don't have that. I mean, the ACLU and other groups, we created the, those documents. But those documents are not, are not part of, of any kind of a state work they campaign to take care and to, to protect families, immigrant families. So yeah, I do feel that we're way behind in a lot of places in the country. Um, what, what do you feel that people can do in this state to move things forward? So in, in, they are different levels, right? I mean, one of, one, of the, one of the problems that we're having right now that the Safe Communities Act, um, it's, it's, it's moving slowly. And, and, you know, if you live in Western Mass, if you live in Northampton, you do have awesome and incredible representatives. Joe Comerford, uh, Lindsay Zavadosa, that they are absolutely on board with this. So the problem is, is uh, it's, it's what's going on in the eastern part of the state. People that are uh, representative that we need um, to be on board they are still, still thinking what they should do, how they should do it. Locally, you know, um, one of the things that we're trying to do locally is trying to make people aware of what's going on, aware of um, what is important, how they can help immigrants. For example, um, the, the Resistance Center for Peace and Justice with Jeff Napolitano and Indivis Indivisible Northampton they have a right program to take people to their um, ICE and ankle bracelet um, appointments. When somebody is being released from the border into the country and they come here, they are released with conditions, and those conditions is that they have to go and check in hard for every couple of weeks. If that person fails in one of those check-ins, that's enough to get re-detained, put in a fast track to deportation. So, we're, to, and we're talking about with immigrants that they don't have a driver license, they don't have access to transportation. So groups like the Resistance Center and Indivisible, they are holding all these meetings with community members to say, this is how you can. This is a, a, like a game changer for immigrants. Because imagine an immigrant who lives in Northampton and has to go in the middle of the winter to Hartford. If he doesn't make it, he or she is going to be re-detained. So I would, I would tell people that um, if you go to the uh, ACLU website and you look my bio, you have my phone number there, um, I'm open to talk to anybody in how they can um, contribute, how they can get involved. Um, we're trying to, to bring people together. We're trying to inform people. 
So people, um, it's it's good that people are pro-immigrant, but they should know what's going on and how they can re create a really big impact, real impact in what's going on. Beyond locally and the state, your preference would be something at the federal level. Do you see any prospect for that in the horizon? So, so you're, you're, you're asking me that question right now when DACA is going. Um, That's the program that uh, protects young uh, people who have come here to this country uh, in, with an undocumented status. That's right. And, and gives them some sort of a um, you're asking me also that question when TPS, the temporary protected status, people who came with their country face some natural disaster or social problem. So the, the, at, at the federal level, sadly, um, the executive power, in this case the president, has a lot of, a lot of control of this, even more uh, in relation to the president can change immigration policies whenever and whatever he wants. He doesn't have to go through Congress. And also we find ourselves with a Congress that is not passing any law. So right now, honestly, I don't see anything good coming down from the federal government. Um, they keep being really aggressive and violent in friends. Not only immigrants, I mean LGBTQ. Every, every single group that we hold high and dear immigrants, LGBTQ, uh, are being attacked by our government. And, and right now, in the, in the case of this board, I feel that um, as progressives, we're not in good standing able to kind of vision from the Supreme Court House. So... Um, I know I, that's really pessimistic, but for me, it's one more reason to act local, act at the state level, to make substantial changes in, in, the, in the Commonwealth. And just had a victory in Greenfield, looking for one possibly at the state level. Um, so moving forward from there, um, Javier Luengo Garrido, uh, the coordinator of Immigrant Protection Project for ACLU Massachusetts, thank you so much for coming and joining me. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to visit us at valleyadvocate.com.